0: Welcome to Sanctified in Truth with Michael York, a ministry of the Fairview Baptist Church in Ashland, Kentucky. Sanctified in Truth is a daily podcast for followers of Christ who desire to imitate Him and to dedicate ourselves fully to the plans God has for us by deepening our love and understanding of God's Word. This week we're going to be studying what's commonly called the Lord's Prayer. Today, we're going to begin our study by looking at the beginning of the prayer, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, and by reading Psalm chapter 9. As always, I want to encourage you to read the passage before you listen to the podcast. Although it's called the Lord's Prayer often, it may be better called the Disciples' Prayer. The prayer is recorded in two places in the Bible, in Matthew chapter 6 and the Sermon on the Mount and Luke chapter 11. The purpose of the Sermon on the Mount is for Jesus to teach how his disciples will conduct themselves. And in Luke 11, Jesus gives this prayer in response to the question the disciples ask when they ask him to teach them to pray. They ask that question because prominent teachers of the day, whether it was rabbis or people like John the Baptist, had given their disciples prayers to identify them. Now, I don't want you to miss that this prayer is reported two places in the Bible. And while the language is similar, it's not identical. That fact tells us that it's not about the words of the prayer, it's about the framework of the prayer that Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray. So that's what we're going to learn this week. Jesus begins his prayer with the phrase, Our Father. Those two words tell us so much. First, it is a gentle reminder that prayer does not begin with us. It begins with God. We address God in prayer because prayer is a response to God's invitation. Prayer is His gift to us and His initiative. And because prayer is a response to heart to God, our heart is always directed toward God in prayer. When we pray, Our Father... We're beginning the prayer, orienting ourselves to Him. The second thing is prayer grows out of a relationship with God. Now Jesus would have spoken here in Aramaic and thus used the word Abba. Aramaic was the common spoken language of Jews in the first century, but the interesting thing was is prayers were still often prayed in Hebrew. That Jesus uses this word Abba in their language suggests that Prayer is not some formal thing. It's about relationship, and the word Abba is one of relationship. The best way to translate that phrase is dearest father. It does not mean daddy, as some have alleged. It's a term of reverence and endearment. Jesus captures that tension by reminding us that he is our father, but he is our heavenly father. There's a tenderness and intimacy But there's also an awe and a distance. Traditionally, in many religions of the world, prayer is a formal ritual. It's about precise recitation, about posture. It demands repetition and schedule. But with this short introduction, Jesus abolishes all of that thinking and points us to the relationship of prayer. It's only Jesus who can give us permission to use this title of Father for God. Fourteen times in the entire Old Testament, God has referenced His Father, and not once is it personal address. In the Old Testament, God is described as a Father to show us what He's like. But now Jesus uses this title to help reveal to us who God is. Jesus gave us permission to use the title Father, something we otherwise would not have, because it would be Jesus that would enable us to use that title by His death and union with him. We call God Father because and only if we are in Christ. Jesus doesn't just tell us to pray our Father. He teaches us to pray in a way that desires God's glory above anything else. He tells us to pray our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The name of a person in the Bible is the representative of who they are. It's their reputation. And Jesus is teaching us to pray that God's reputation is seen as great. Now, it's reasonable to ask, why would we pray for God's name to be made holy? God's name is holy. However, what we see in the Old Testament is that the name of God, while always holy, can become desecrated by his followers. In Ezekiel 36, God says that the children of Israel profaned his name. If God is my father and I'm his child, I can help make his reputation great or I can drag his reputation through the mud by the way I live and by the things I do. By putting this request at the beginning of the prayer, Jesus is showing us that however we pray, whatever we ask for, It's done on the grounds of relationship. And it should be motivated by a desire to see God's holy name shown in and through our lives in a way that demonstrates how great and wonderful it really is. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. As we seek to think through the meaning, implications, and applications of this passage, we want to ask ourselves our three basic questions. First, What does this passage call me to think and praise God about regarding his character or actions? Notice in Psalm 9, David does not only praise God for what he does, but for who he is. In reality, those two things are indistinguishable, but we often separate them in our minds. God is good, therefore, everything he does is good. He's loving, therefore, everything he does is loving. But we look at the reverse. We think if He does something we interpret as loving or good, then we attribute goodness and love to Him. Thank God for who He is. Thank God and praise Him that His actions are always and will always be in accord with His holy name. The second thing we want to ask is, what do I need to pray for my own heart and life? In verse 9, David praises God that God is a stronghold for the oppressed. Just as a father is there to protect his child in his weakness, so does God offer himself to us in our brokenness. Sometimes it can be intimidating to approach God, but he wants to be our father and our stronghold. We do not have to get ourselves to a point of worthiness to come to him. We come to him in brokenness to be shielded. As you approach God today, in all your desperation, with any baggage you have, pray that you would see him as he is, not as some divine monster there to crush you, but to praise that he welcomes you in prayer to shelter you as a loving father. The third question we want to ask is, what does this passage teach me to pray? David lists some of the good works of God in his life. I want to challenge and encourage you to write down several specific and kind things that God has done for you just in this last week. Thank Him for them. As we remind ourselves of what God has done, and we remind ourselves of who He is, we gain encouragement for what He will do. Well, thanks for listening to today's episode of Sanctified in Truth. Join us tomorrow as we'll discuss what Jesus meant when He taught us to pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as we read Psalm 145, May everything you say and everything you do today seek to honor God. And whatever you do, take comfort and know that Jesus has already prayed for you, that you would be sanctified in truth. Our prayer today is from the great reformer Martin Luther. Luther prays this, O my God, my Lord and my Father, Show unto my poor soul that it may perceive that you are my rock, bulwark, shield, tower, treasure, defense, trust, help, refuge, protection, and goodness. That I, in this, my great need and tribulation, may through your godly grace have help and assistance against my adversaries and be preserved forever. Lord, upon you do I trust. Let me never be ashamed. Amen.